Hello there. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the How to Market Your Horse Business podcast with Denise Alvarez. And yes, that is me. So before we jump into what I call the meat of our episode today, just in case we're new friends, I like to do a quick introduction so you can know who it is that's talking to you on the other side of the microphone. So as I said, my name is Denise. And through my business, Storm Lily Marketing, I get to help horse business owners like you turn your website visitors into your customers. I help you do that through coaching, as well as website design and content, email marketing strategy, and my monthly coaching program called Social Stride. And I do each of these things. I do the podcast as well, because I want to help you all horse business owners be out doing more of what you love to do, to be able to serve your clients well, ride the horses you want to ride, train who you want to train. And so marketing will help you to do that. But I know that it can be overwhelming or frustrating, or maybe you just are looking for a place to break it down and simplify it for you. And so that's why we're here. So every week we join up and I share some strategies and some basic how-tos so that you can not only see what's possible for your horse business, but so I can help guide you through that process and make it happen. So we have been in the middle of a mini series on email marketing. Last week, we covered some of your common objections or roadblocks when it comes to email marketing. So if you have not listened to that episode yet, go back to episode number 65 after today and be sure to check it out. Because if you've been considering it and if you've, you've been seeing it work for other horse businesses and trying to figure out how you can make it work for you or if it's possible, then I want you to go back and listen to some of those roadblocks that we covered and we will uncover them for you. So today, what we're going to do is answer some common questions. So I know that if you've been along this ride with me, you may be thinking, okay, Denise, I'm convinced I'm going to give it a try, but I need a little bit of help. I have some questions for you. And some of my goal here is to answer some of those questions because I want you to be equipped and have everything that you need to give email marketing your best shot for your horse business. Now, I do not ever want you to feel like you are drinking fire from a water hydrant, right? I don't want you to be overwhelmed, but I do want you to have your questions answered. So I have picked the most common questions that I tend to get about email marketing. But if there's anything that I'm not answering for you today that's been on the top of your mind, then of course, please feel free to reach out, send me an email, denise at stormlily.com, or find me on Instagram or Facebook, and let's connect, and I'd be happy to help you out, all right? So let's do this. Let's dive into the most common email marketing questions that I get from horse business owners, all right? Question number one, does the size of your email list matter? Now, if you are a small business owner, which I believe that many of you listening are, then one question that you might be thinking is, how can email marketing actually help me? Don't I need to have like thousands of people on my list to really make the most of it, to really see a return on my investment of time and energy? Because I know, friends, your time is valuable. I do not take that for granted. So I know that it's going to take some time, right? And you want to get a return on that time. Well, the good news is you do not have to have a really big email list to actually see a return. Instead, you just need to focus on having the right people on your list from the beginning. Now, I know it can be enticing to want to fill up your list so that you have a bigger number, but 
you want to get the people in there who are actually going to want to buy from you, right? Your ideal and best fit audience, those people that are going to be interested in your offers and want to support you, want to support your business. So you don't have to have thousands of people to make that happen. Now, in case you're thinking, sure, that's what she says, but is that really true? I have a quick example for you. So back in episode number two of the podcast, if you haven't gone back that far or been with me that long, make sure you go back and listen to that one as well. It's called Why Email Marketing Isn't Just for Apple, Starbucks, and Ariat. And I had a guest on there with me. She's an NRHA professional. Her name is Lindsay hayes Cofell, and she shared about her email list and how starting out, it was pretty small. But even though it was small, she was able to launch their online membership program and fill up the clinics that they hosted at their facility without ever getting on social media by just using her email list. And like I said, that was her starting out what she was able to accomplish. So you can do that too. You just have to get started. So that means you don't need to go out and buy an email list. That is one question I get that's coupled with this is, do I just need to go out and buy a list? And no, you don't. You need to qualify those people. You want those people to actually be on your list because they've asked for it. There's actually laws about that. And I get that you're wanting to just reach as many people as possible. But remember, the idea of permission-based email marketing is what makes email marketing so great. Because people are signing up, they are asking for your emails. So they're saying, yes, I do want you to send to me. And if people didn't ask for your emails, then I do not want you to start emailing them out of nowhere and getting yourself marked as spam, right? Now, while I'm saying all of this, please know that of course, I want you to make growing your email list a part of your marketing strategy. I just don't want the size of your list to be that one driving factor or the thing that's keeping you from actually getting started. Because as we talked about last week, statistically speaking, you can expect around 20 to 30% of the people on your list to open your emails on a regular basis. So of course, the more people on your list, the more people are going to be opening your emails and then you'll have more clicks and all of those things. But it needs to be the right people. So if you are just starting out and you're saying, Denise, my list is just going to be my previous customers and my existing customers that have said they want on there, but I'm not really sure that's only 20, 30, 50 people. That's great. I want you to put them on there and I want you to serve them at 110% of your capabilities. I want you to keep promoting it on social, keep building your list and growing your list as a key marketing strategy. And over time, you're going to see that grow from 20 to 50 to 100 to 200 and so on, right? Okay, so that's my long answer to you about your list size. It, it matters, but it should not be the thing that keeps you from taking action. And you can take action and you can get traction with a small list. All right. Okay, question number two. Can you just take emails of your existing clients like we just talked about? Can you just take those existing clients and put them in your list and just start sending them emails on a regular basis, marketing emails? Or better yet, can you have your assistant or your intern take anyone that's ever emailed you and sent you a message or a a contact form on your website? And can you just take those people and add them to your email list? The answer is no. 
And it's the same reason we just talked about. Permission-based email marketing is the key here. And you have not been given permission to start sending them your marketing emails until they grant it, right? Like I said, there are laws about this. You can actually look up can spam if you're curious about that. But basically, you need to be obtaining permission ahead of time. So instead, yes, your clients, your existing and previous clients and people that have sent you messages, those are all prime candidates. So instead, what you could do is for those people you have an email address for, go ahead and email them and invite them to say, yes, I'm in, right? Invite them to join your newsletter list. Let them know how often you plan to email, what you plan to put in your emails, the value they're going to get out of it. And then just make it super easy for them to say, yes, I'm in, whether it's a click or a reply or sending them to a quick form to fill out, whatever the case may be. So I do want you to take advantage of that, but I do not want to see you just adding them all in and starting to email them out of nowhere. Okay. All right. Question number three, Denise, do I have to email every single week? Guess what? I've got some more good news for you. You don't have to feel the pressure to email every week. Okay, I don't want that pressure there. And so I'm releasing you from it. And I'll explain a little bit. But as one of my monthly email clients used to say, a weekly email is the Cadillac plan. So that's the goal, right? To be able to stay in touch that often. Because when you can do that, when you send emails at least every week, then you are keeping your business, your services, your events, your horses, your products, whatever the case may be, you're keeping that top of mind. So when they do need what you're offering, you're going to be right there and ready for them. At the same time, when you do have a sale and a promotion and you are sending more emails than one a week, perhaps you have a limited time sale, right? And you're going to say, I'm sending them five emails over a period of two weeks. Well, if you've not been emailing them up to that point and you're trying to promote a new product or an online course or a workshop and they're going, who is this person? I don't even remember signing up for this. I haven't heard from them in months. Then that's not going to really benefit you, right? I've seen that happen. I received those emails where I have signed up. And then honestly, I just got one the other day. They said, Denise, you signed up for my freebie last year at some point. (laughs) Of course, I don't remember what I did because I haven't heard from them since then, right? So they're not really getting to enjoy the benefits of that. So emailing every week is a really good way to train your email list that they can hear from you regularly. But that is not something that you can stick to then you do not have to do it every week in order to get the benefits from it. But you do need to do it regularly. So I shared last week in episode 65 that I have seen monthly emails work really well. When they are packed with value, when they're authentic, people look forward to them. So if you're saying, Denise, I want to try this, but there's just no way I can commit to once a week. I feel like I could do monthly then I want you to try that. Go ahead and what I want you to do is put it on your calendar and commit to it. So pick the day of the month. You're going to send an email every week, whether it's the second Wednesday or the 15th of the month or the 20th of the month. Pick something you're going to stick to and put it on your calendar. But if you go more than monthly, then you're really not going to enjoy all the benefits that are there for you when you have an active, engaged email list because it won't be active and it won't be engaged, right? Okay, friends, question number four, and we've got five questions today. So question number four is what stats should I be paying attention to? So I have a few for you. Now, again, some of you are going, ah, 
ah, I didn't know we were having to talk numbers. Now listen, I want you to get in. But for some of you, you're like, I'm in, I'm ready. What else do I need to know? And so this is some of the stats that I want you to pay close attention to as you get in there. All right. So first of all, you're going to pay attention to your number of active subscribers. Now, again, this is going back to the idea of you're not going to live and die by this number, but it's a really good idea to have an idea of who's on there and how many do you have, right? So create a system where on a monthly basis, you go in and check where are you at? Are you growing? Because over time, naturally, people are going to begin to unsubscribe and decide they're not interested or whatever the case may be. And so you want to continually be going forward, building that number up, right? So have a system where you track your active subscribers so that you know the health of your list. Now, speaking of the health of your list, a healthy email list has a really good open rate. Now, the simplest definition of that is it's the number of people who are opening your emails as compared to the number of people that you actually sent them to. So across industries, when you just combine it all together, the average is 20 to 30% for an open rate. So that's something I just want you to pay attention to, right? If you're falling really far below that, if your email open rates are 5, 10, and 15%, then just take a look. See if there's something you need to do to change that. Um, Are people actually opening them? Are people getting them? Are a lot of emails not making it to email inboxes? Because you're going to use that third-party service provider we talked about before on the podcast. So you're not doing this from your Outlook, right? You're not doing it from your Gmail. So you're going to be able to see these numbers I'm sharing with you very easily, no matter if you use MailerLite, which is the one that I tend to recommend, or a different email marketing platform, you're going to see these numbers very easily. All right. So pay attention to your open rate. Next, I want you to pay attention to your click-through rate. And that is how many people that opened your emails actually took action, right? When you told them, click here to read my blog, did they click? Or go shopping here? Did they go shopping on your website, right? Now, why do you care about the click-through rate? Well, just like in social, when people are clicking on links in your emails, that's considered engagement. And places like Gmail, Yahoo, Outlook, they actually look at that and they're going to say, oh, okay, the emails from this address are obviously wanted by the people that get them. So we're going to do our best to put that into the inbox, not into the spam folder, right? So that's why you care about that number. You also care about that number because like I said, if you're asking people to take action and they're not, then it's not accomplishing what you want. So maybe you need to rephrase what you're asking them to do or rework the design of your email or look at your subject line, all of those things, right? Now, one more thing that you can look at is the number of call to actions that you have in your email, the number of links that you have inside of your email, right? If you're telling them to go to numerous places, to take numerous different actions, then unless you have that organized really well, it's really not going to do anything for them because they're not sure what it is you want them to do. What action are you really trying to drive in that one email? So you can have more than one call to action, but just know the more you have, the less likely it is they're going to click on the one you really care about most. So make a big deal about that one you care about most if that's where you're trying to push people to, okay? All right, friends, we're on our last question. Number five, how do I get people to open my emails? So you've said, Denise, emails or open rates are important, right? So how do I get people to actually open them? 
So I have a couple things for you to consider, all right? First, look at what it is they're gonna read first, right? They're, they're in their inbox, what do they see? They see from, and they see a subject line. And you can customize the from in your email service provider. I've seen businesses forget this step and maybe they use a shorthand name or a nickname or the person that set it up for them, put their name in there. So make sure you're paying attention to who the email is actually coming from because they're gonna see that in their email inbox. Next, the subject line. The subject line has so much to do with when people open or if they open your emails. You can have fun with a subject line. You can test it out and see what works. The goal of your subject line is honestly to get people to open your email. That's it. Your subject line is to get people to open it. Because when they open it and they see what's inside, then you're going to draw them in with your pictures or with your text or the promises or the the copy that you have in there. But your subject line, that's what's going to get them to open your email. So you can tell them what they're going to get. What's the promise that you're going to give them inside of this email? What do they get out of reading it? What's uh, what are what's the problem that they're trying to address? Or do you have a sense of urgency, right? Is it a limited time sale? Then you can put that in your subject line. So when it comes to getting open rates, those are the two things I want you to first look at. And then I want you to make sure you're providing consistent value inside of your emails because you want people to get your emails, whether it's monthly, bi-weekly or weekly, and think, oh, yes, so-and-so just showed up. I know this is going to be good, right? I want to check. I know I'm going to learn something great. I know they're going to have a great product update. I know they're going to have a great horse care tip. I know they're going to have whatever the case may be that you're putting inside of your email, right? And as you do that regularly, then your email friends are going to continue to open your emails because they know they can trust that it's worth their time and it's worth opening. And that's going to help your email open rates. Okay, friends, there you have it. I've given you five of the most common questions that horse business owners have about email marketing. Now, I know one other question might be on the tip of your tongue that I hinted at, which is what do you actually put inside of your email? And that's a really good question. So we're actually going to dedicate an entire episode to that next week. All right. So episode 67 is going to be all about what you're going to put inside of your emails. So stay tuned for that. Now, my goal, friends, in doing this series of podcasts all about email marketing is to help you demystify this idea that email marketing is something only the experts can do, right? I'm a two-person show. I'm a one-person show. There's no way I can make it work because you can. No matter your breed, no matter your niche, no matter your discipline, you can do email marketing. You can serve your audience and connect with them that way, right? So that's why I created my free guide all about email marketing as well. If you've not gotten that yet, I invite you to go to stormlily.com slash email guide and get your free beginner's guide to email marketing for horse businesses. Because if you feel complicated or if you feel overwhelmed or it feels complicated and you're just not sure how you would find the time to add this to your list or how you're going to figure it out, right? You can learn inside of this guide how you can email a group of people regularly, how you can build your email list with people who actually want to hear from you and how you can regularly deliver valuable content because that's how you're going to turn those interested website visitors into your actual buyers, all right? 
So head on over to stormlily.com slash email guide for your totally free beginner's guide to email marketing for horse businesses. All right. And of course, head over to the show notes at stormlily.com slash 66 for episode 66. I will have these questions lined up for you there in case you'd like to review them or add to your notes that you may have taken during this episode. And as always, if you have any questions, like I said, I am just an email away or a message away, and I'd be happy to jump in and fill in any gaps that you might have as you're trying to figure out email marketing and what that could look like for your business. Now, of course, if you would share this with a friend, if this information is helpful to you and you have a fellow horse business owner that you think should hear it, that you think should be trying it out, then please share this podcast episode with them. Send them to stormlily.com slash 66 and let them know it's helpful. And then would you jump over to Apple Podcast? I'd be so grateful if you would leave a review and let other people know that this podcast has been helpful to you also. Okay, friends, that is all I've got for you today. But I so look forward to meeting you again next week when we're going to talk a little more about email marketing. And next week is the finale in this mini series. So make sure that you listen in. And uh, I've got some good stuff up my sleeve for you. All right. Okay, until then, have an awesome day. And I'll see you next week. Bye.